Uh. Uh-huh. What's up, y'all? Uh, D-Love here. Episode 60 of the DLSS podcast. Nate is out again. He's up at Lake Isabella taking care of some last-minute details before he's able to rent that bitch out. Man, he's already got people reserved all the way through the middle of February. So if you guys are interested, make sure to hit him up. Uh, spots are going fast. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to start off this episode with this song. If you guys are familiar with this song, if you're able to tell me what MMA legend walks out to his fights to this song, I'll give you a special shout-out next week. I'm going to be trying to kind of do that, the, the walkout songs or, or stuff like that that are associated with fighters that I really like. I just want to bring them out and, uh, I don't know, start the show with them, do interludes with them. I'm just kind of experimenting with different things having to do with music. Uh, my girl Nora does DJ stuff. Jeremy Goldplay Music does DJ stuff. I Am Vic does DJ stuff. So uh, I'm trying to just kind of mix it up with the music. But I hope you guys enjoy this song. It's one of my faves, obviously Biggie. Uh, but if you're able to tell me whose walkout song this is, you get a special shout-out on next week's episode. So hit me up. But yeah, episode 60, we're here. Man, a lot of fun fights this weekend. The card took a big hit. Last minute, three fights dropped off due to COVID. Plus, the main event had already gotten hit. So one of those things. But, man, even with all those problems, it did not disappoint. The main event ended up being the fight of the night. Jack Hermanson drops a five-round decision to Marvin Vittori. And, man, was it a back-and-forth war, man. They were there standing in the pocket, just kind of giving each other everything they had. They poured out the jug in the fourth and fifth rounds. And, um, you know, I was happy with the decision. I felt like it was fair, although uh, I went with Jack. Flip-flop a few times, but I went with Jack. But, man, overall, the card didn't disappoint. The main event was incredible. There was a couple other uh, fun fights, some amazing finishes earlier on in the night. We're going to talk about that, that Jordan Levitt slam and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, before we get into all that action, this episode is brought to you by Dave DeCourcy and The DeCourcy Group. Guys, if you want to pull some cash out of the equity of your home, so a cash-out refinance, or say you need to purchase a home, so you need to grab a loan in order to do that, please support the people that support the show by going to www.thedecourcy.com. CourcyGroup.com. That's T H E D E C O U R C Y Group.com. And let them know the DLSS podcast sent you over there. And it really does help us out a lot. And I wanted to give a special shout out to the man Dave himself. It's his birthday today. So happy birthday, Dave. Many uh, awesome ones to come, hopefully. And uh, again, thank you so much for the support in the show. And really appreciate you, brother. All right, but before we get to the action, a couple other housekeeping notes uh, real quick. So I mentioned last week we're going to be doing a giveaway. It's literally going to be either the next week, following week, or the last week of the year. So it's in the next three weeks. I'll officially announce all the details to the giveaway and, and open up entries on how you can uh, enter in. It's going to be a good one, guys. It's If you guys remember, I did a $100 giveaway when we hit our 1,000 listens mark, and this one's going to be uh, very similar, same if not better. So make sure to tune in for those uh, details for the giveaway. It's going to be it's going to be good one and as i said before last week it's going to be the giveaway is going to have to do with the predictions challenge so we're switching things up next year i'm I'm going to be um, unveiling some changes to the rules some bonus points opportunities as like a gambling situation where you can bet points um, fight of the night stuff like that so we're going to be uh, switching up things a little bit for the predictions challenge starting with next year and this giveaway is a a way to set that off so again make sure to pay attention the next couple weeks for details to the how to enter into the giveaway Um, also predictions challenge like with the changes, as I said before, we're, op- we're going to be opening it up for a sponsorship opportunity as well. So 
Of course, Dave DeCourcy and the DeCourcy Group sponsors the entire show, but the Predictions Challenge segment will have a sponsor in and of itself. Uh, we're looking into different options for that. So if you're interested in something like that, make sure to reach out to me uh, at d.love underscore 84 on Instagram, at dlove underscore 84 on Twitter. And then also the best place to get a hold of me, at least the one I prefer, is through the uh, Apple and iTunes rate and review section. Um, it just helps with that engagement, helps with the algorithm and everything, getting us seen um, to a wider audience. So anyway, you guys want to get a hold of me for that, would be interested to talk to you about that and work something out. And lastly, before we move on, uh, real quick, thank you guys again so much. Each week I've been talking about this with the support for the turmeric tonic. Keep those orders coming. You'll be keeping me busy. I'm in the kitchen during the day and delivering uh, tonic at night. So uh, everybody that's placed an order over the last week or two, thank you guys so much. Keep them coming. I really appreciate the support. The holiday season is coming up uh, with everything that's going on with COVID running rampant and everything like that. It's a great opportunity to, to help out a loved one by getting them a batch and helping them keep their immune system strong. So again, thank you guys so much for the support and make sure to stay tuned. I got a lot of things brewing, wink, wink, uh, with the tonic, not only with the tonic, but with the podcast, I'm going to be getting stickers made, all kinds of merch ideas coming, coming my way. So hopefully some merch coming your way in early 2021. So, uh, the future's bright. And with that in mind, speaking of the future being bright, next weekend, UFC 256, stacked main card. The main event is the three-week, 21-day turnaround for Davison Figueroa and uh, Brandon Moreno. Both fought uh, three weeks prior, and they're going to turn around and fight. Davison Figueroa is going to defend his flyweight championship again uh, against Brandon Moreno in the main event of UFC 256. First time ever in UFC history a uh, UFC champion has defended his belt in that sort of a turnaround, and first time ever that they've made event uh, main evented two UFC numbered cards you know they have fight nights and other different cards but UFC 255 and then UFC 256 both being main evented by the same person Davison Figueroa is going to turn around and since he's cut so much weight he's gigantic for the weight class uh, he stayed in town he used the UFC PI to keep his weight down and uh, him and Moreno both stayed put in town and then uh, they're going to run it not run it back but uh, have uh, a flyweight championship fight three weeks after having competed and it's an interesting matchup to begin with. So that's just going to make it even that more, much more interesting. And that's just the main event, the co-main event. Tony Ferguson taking on Du Bronx, Charles Oliveira. Very similar styles and matchups. Uh, Tony's just a little bit more chaotic and more of a flow state fighter. Um, Oliveira is very sharp. Muay Thai skills uh, over the years have de- has developed. But he started off and even has the record for most UFC submissions. Um, this guy is a, is a wizard on the ground. So it'll be very interesting. I'm very excited for that matchup. And and that's next weekend, guys. So at the uh, second half of this episode, we're going to be breaking down. I'm going to be breaking down and giving my predictions for those fights. So make sure to stay put for the second half. But um, also with, you know, the futures being is bright, keeping that in mind, it's also bright for Marvin Vittori, the winner of the main event of last night's fights, the UFC Fight Night, uh, Hermanson versus Vittori, UFC Vegas 16, whichever name you want to call it. But Marvin Vittori and Jack Hermanson put on a hell of a show, ended up coming away with fight of the night in the main event, five rounds. It goes to the decision. There was only three decisions on the entire card. Uh, So that means uh, eight out of eight fights because three fell off. We talked about it earlier with COVID, all these fights falling off last minute. But out of eight total fights, five of them finished inside the distance. So overall, the card delivered. It was a lot of fun. Um, We're just going to briefly talk about the main event and the other more interesting finishes on the card. But then we're just going to jump ahead to recapping the points for the Predictors Challenge and then looking ahead to next week so we can get to our picks for UFC 256. So as far as the main event goes, I mean, just to round it out, we pretty much touched on most of it. But I'm just really excited for Marvin because I mean I picked Jack to win the fight you know but it's it's good to see these guys 
uh, get these opportunities and capitalize on them because, you know, he had been looking for an opportunity like this to face someone higher up in the rankings. Number 14, uh, Vittori was even, Dana White was talking about him in the post-fight press conference saying he's probably, with this win, could be vaulted up to, you know, within the top five of the division because Jack was number four. And, I mean, a lot of people are, are talking about how they want to see a rematch with Israel, depending on what he does with the light heavyweight situation and facing Jan Blakowicz and coming back down to 185. But, uh, you know, he's the one, only one that he pretty much fought Israel the best out of all these uh, Izzy's opponents on his way up to the 185 championship. So a lot of people, including Vittori in his post-fight press conference, were talking about how, you know, it's destiny for him to, and Izzy to run it back eventually. And uh, with him being now potentially vaulted back up or bolted up into the top five of the division, it just gives him more of a, you know, claim to stake in terms of being next for either the champ or next for a number one contender matchup. So, you know, future's bright for Vittori, and, and he earned it in a, in a tough fight of the night decision. 164 to 122 in significant strikes. I mean, there was a lot of damage landed on both sides. They are both wearing it. Momentum shifts, you know, earlier on in the fight. It just seemed like uh, between third and fourth round, I even said something like they seemed like they both uh, recovered a lot better between those two rounds. Like I was like, did they give him extra time? No. But uh, Vittori even said it after the fight between those rounds in particular. He felt like he needed to dig deep, and it, it showed, man. They both came out to uh, try to put their stamp on the championship rounds, and Vittori was just a little bit more fresh. And although he did look labored and his, his shots became more pulled and a little bit less uh – you know, less snappy and less extension on him and just a less, te- a little bit less technical. He was able to pull out the victory with volume and tenacity and just keep pushing the pace all the way to the end. So congratulations again to Marvin Vittori. And uh, we shall see who he- they put him up against next. You guys let me know who you think he should face. Get at me in Apple and iTunes. That's the best place, rate and review section. Or you can hit up my socials. But, yeah, engage the show. Let me uh, know who you guys think all the uh, winners tonight should face and their next opponents. But with that in mind, Jamal Hill gets a good win over OSP. OSP looked a little slow. He missed weight. He just, you know, he, I thought he was potentially going to maybe drag out the fight and try to get it to the ground, but it just didn't work out. Uh, Jamal Hill was too sharp, too fast, too powerful, man. And he uh, he put it on him. He just kept with that uh, forward pressure and continued to put OSP's back against the cage and eventually closed the distance enough to land enough punches in a row to, to put OSP on the back foot on the cage, pretty much out on his feet. And uh, the ref stepped in and saved him. Jamal Hill, I kind of felt like it was almost like a passing of the torch. They fight very similarly. They're very similar in uh, like body type and, and explosivity. Um, although OSP slowed down over the years and kind of relied on on more of his veteran savvy IQ and uh, more like uh, diverse skill sets. But Jamal Hill's on his way up and, and adding tools every time every time we see him. Um, so yeah, congratulations to Jamal Hill on that. It's a pretty big name to take out, you know, this early in your career. So uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see where he goes from here. Moving on down the car, Gabriel Benitez takes out Justin James in the very first round, four minutes and six seconds. Uh, he set him up beautifully for a switch knee to the liver. Uh, this is a high action, high paced fight for the for as long as it lasted. Uh, total strikes, 38 uh, versus 22 in the first round. Uh, Gabriel Benitez had a little bit more length, a little bit more pop on his punches and just was able to take control of the striking exchanges and just kind of seemed to be uh, in control of everywhere. And what happened was basically he had set him up with a couple jabs and, and feints of the jab. And uh, essentially, Justin James was waiting to counter and, and was waiting to throw an overhand right as uh, <clears throat> Benitez closed the distance. So after setting up Justin James uh, on a couple rhythm patterns of his uh, motion and, and footwork and jabs and then feinted jab, he feinted and then immediately switched to a, a lunging, like kind of like almost flying, but more of a step in left switch knee 
<clears throat> right as Justin James was trying to counter with an overhand right, stepping in himself into the into the knee. So uh, beautifully timed, beautifully set up. Uh, Gabriel Benitez takes him out. That was all she wrote. Justin James dropped to the ground, writhing in pain. He, he even posted on Instagram, man, that uh, congrats to Benitez because he beat the best version of Justin James. He was ready. He was prepared. He felt great. Um, but, man, if you've ever been hit with a liver shot, you know it just shuts you off. You, you, it's overwhelming. It's like the, the calf kicks and stuff like that when it hits the nerve deep enough. No matter how tough you are your body at some point will say fuck you i'm shutting down this is not something i want to deal with and uh man that's what it feels like to take a liver kicker in this case a liver knee so congratulations to benitez on a highlight real finish and uh moving on up we'll see where he takes where he goes from here and then Roman Delite gets a good win over John Allen and a decision victory. Yeah, man, the, the guy was kind of fucking around a little too much. He's got some liabilities, but he remains undefeated. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, we'll, we'll see when he's put up against someone who uh, can capitalize on some of those mistakes. He was dropping for leg locks in a couple positions when he was he was dominant in top position. It was kind of poor, like, fight IQ, in my opinion. But he's uh, definitely a physical specimen and explosive, has a lot of skills. So we'll, we'll see if he can put them all together and, and learn. Even, you know, coming away in a victory, a lot of times you don't learn from mistakes but we'll see and uh yeah i mean like i said he's undefeated he's he's a top talent but he's new he, he's a little green so we'll, we'll see where how he develops uh speaking of being green man jordan levitt though wow he came away with that crazy slam over what 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 my win i mean matt wyman uh man i've been watching this fool since contender series and so this was technically his ufc debut gives off a little bit of a serial killer vibe i'm not gonna lie doing his post-fight press conference both for the contender series and uh, for this one. You notice he's, he's like, very delicate and deliberate with his words, very thoughtful. thoughtful. And uh, But, man, he, he seems like a very sweet dude but outside the cage, but inside he's a savage. Ryan, reminds me a lot of uh, Ryan Hall, very intelligent, very cerebral, martial artist through and through, um, and I want to see that matchup. So, Ryan Hall, have a few extra cheeseburgers, bulk up from 45 to 55, and uh, I want to see these two go out. That'd be a grappler's delight. But congratulations to Jordan Levin on his UFC debut with one of the scarier slams that I've really I've ever seen. It was like up there the Rose Namajunas uh, Jessica Andrade. Uh, slam. It was basically Wyman a jump guard and Levitt was just like alright I'm going to walk you over to my side of the cage so at least I can you know, listen to instruction and whatever so um, right before he executed the slam takedown he crossed his, he did a cross face where his left forearm went across Wyman's neck and, uh, and throat essentially and his jaw and as soon as he slammed him all the way to the ground it was immediately it was out cold. Um, Jordan raised his hand for follow up, noticed he didn't need to so just stood up and walked away. That was all she wrote and Wyman was out for a minute, man. Uh, he eventually did uh, stand up and leave under his own power, but it, it was uh, it was one of the scarier ones. Levitt, he was even reacting afterwards, like kind of like, damn, like I don't want to see that. I don't want to like legit kill my opponent. Like it was, you know, broken necks are a serious thing where you can sustain paralysis. And luckily, at the top level of UFC MMA, we haven't seen that to this point, even as dangerous as it is. So, uh, luckily, Matt Wyman was able to uh, leave the cage under his own power. He's gonna be all right. But, yeah, congratulations to Jordan Levin on a highlight reel finish in his UFC debut. Okay, and then uh, before we take our break and switch over to next week and our picks and everything, a couple last notables on the way out. Ilya Tupura. Man, this guy is a savage. He's the one that we had uh, upset our picks where he fought and beat Yusuf Zalal in his uh, UFC debut. And then this is his second fight in the UFC, uh, in the UFC and he ends up taking out um, – Damon Jackson, the 238 of the first round, uh, TKO. He was basically, Damon Jackson's this long, lanky, tall fighter for the division. Um, so f- 
with uh, Tapuria already having like legit ground game and uh, hell of a good boxer, which we've seen in his first fight uh, against Zalal. He was basically mixing it up everywhere. His game plan, which he even stated after the fact, was to take out that body. If you're tall, lanky, and you have to cut a lot of weight to get down to the weight class, you're going to be susceptible to body shots. And uh, not only that, man, Tapuria was digging him in. He was landing a lot of them. said he was kind of channeling uh, Mike Tyson out there. And, uh, man, and, uh, and also Canelo. That's right. He was saying he was channeling Canelo a little bit, trying to take people out with vicious body shots. And, man, did it ever, it ever deliver. <clears throat> in that last exchange, he uh, switched in, had him up against the cage, hard left hook to the body. Basically, Damon dropped from that but was still on his feet slightly. And then a, a, a pawing left hook to right overhand ended up sending Damon Jackson down to the canvas. And that was all she wrote. That was it. Took him out. Uh, it was phenomenal performance for Ilya Tapura. So I'm really excited to see where they goes from here. Okay, and then the last one before we spin this thing forward, my man Luis Smoka, the last samurai, coming back in a victory over Jose Quinones. He ends up TKOing him in the second round. Motherfucker, I was so pissed because, you know, he's got a very good submission game, and I I, I thought it was going to play out where he was going to hurt him more on the feet and make uh, Quinones kind of, like, shoot desperately for takedowns or just to try to avoid the, the, the striking. But, no, man, Quinones came out, good footwork, a lot of activity, was doing really well. He was chop, chopping up that lead leg of Smoka, but Smoka was able to turn the tide in the second round, take him down, get his back, and flatten him out from the backside and ended up finishing with uh, strikes when I was like, damn it, bro, get under there and pull up on that neck. I had him uh, in the predictions challenge. I had held, called a submission, and uh, Nate had it for second round TKO. So as you'll see in a minute when we recap the points, that's where Nate cut a lot of his points this week was uh, calling that exactly right. So congratulations to Luis Smoka, man. I'm stoked for you, brother, coming at, uh, getting a dominating performance performance and dominating finish uh, but damn it should have choked him out for me just kidding all right guys but that wraps up the recap for the fights ufc fight night hermansa versus vittori so i'm gonna take a quick break we'll come back recap those points so we got two weeks left guys it's getting down to the wire we're gonna see who's gonna come across the finish line here victorious and uh also again make sure to Pay attention, not tonight, but the following weeks for the details for the predictions challenge giveaway because I'm going to need you guys' help with some stuff, uh, and we're doing a lot of fun things with that, so make sure to stay tuned. But give me just one second. We'll be right back, so stay put. All right, we're back. Uh, before we jump into what is the loaded UFC 256 card predictions challenge. All right, this motherfucker, Nate, he's not going down without a fight, that's for sure. Uh, last week, if you listened, uh, listened back, I cut the lead down to three, uh, but this week, and he was able to get a few points back, and uh, it's going to be, I told you guys, it's close, so we're just, we're getting down to it. We got two weeks left, as I'd like to continue to point out, because I don't know, brother, I think you might have hit the nose too soon, so now we got these last two cards that are fully stacked. A lot of fun fights. We're going to do seven picks this week. But uh, before we get to that, let me break down the points. So as I mentioned earlier, Luis Smoker, he got it exactly right. Second round TKO, three points for him. I got one point for Smoker. One point each for Topuria because he ended up putting him away early. And I called sub. He called decision. We, uh, Evil F fight got canceled. The, the Lidze fight, he got two points on. It was a split, not unanimous. So he only got two points. I got one point as well on Delodze. And then the uh, Santos de la Rosa fight was canceled. OSP fight, we both got zero because Hill won that one. And then he got the one point on Marvin Vittori in the main event. I got a goose egg on Hermanson. So uh, from last week, 217, I'm sorry, 210 to 207. Now it's 217 to 210. So he's uh, back now up by seven again. 
and uh, I got got some work to do, but two more cards, this one being as loaded as it is. There's a lot of fun fights. There's a lot of exciting matchups. We're going to do seven picks this week, so it gives me more than enough opportunity to make up some points. So let's get into it. UFC 256. Like we are talking about earlier, I have to point it out again. Davison Figueredo, Brandon Rayner are just two, uh, 21 days, three weeks turnaround from their last fight at the same fight, uh, venue, UFC Apex in Las Vegas. So they're coming uh, back, to, and Davison Figueredo is defending that title once again. First time in UFC history that a champion has defended and main evented two UFC uh, events back-to-back. I just have to keep pointing that out because it's pretty phenomenal. And we'll see uh, if it has any effect on his performance. But in this case, you really can't say much because his opponent is doing the same thing. So three-week turnaround for both, and let's go. So that's just the main event. The co-main event, Tony Ferguson is facing Charles Dubronx Oliveira. That one's going to be exciting. I don't know what to expect from that. Tony Ferguson is a wild man, and Charles Oliveira has been nothing but on fire lately, putting people away. He's got the UFC submission record, and he's broken his own record multiple times over, and he's progressed with the hands, looks phenomenal on the feet now. So that one's exciting. And then Hanato Moikano, Rafael Fiziev, the one that we wanted. I think it's got rescheduled. Potentially. I think it was twice now, but that one I'm really looking forward to. We're going to break that one down do that pick as well. Then Ronaldo. Uh, Jacare Souza taking on Kevin Holland. We talked about that before. He took over Vittori's spot. Vittori was supposed to face him, and he switched out because uh, Kevin Holland got COVID. Speaking of COVID, uh, a fight on this card, um, Angela Hill versus Tisha Torres, I just saw a moment ago, is now off because Angela Hill unfortunately caught COVID. Uh, but Kevin Holland apparently tested positive, and this is only a, a week two weeks later and he's uh, back and ready to fight apparently so he's taking on a veteran in the game and Jacare Souza and I'm interested to see if this youth is going to prevail because Hanato is a little bit uh, older longer in the tooth he's been around for a long time he's definitely a veteran uh, he's been more prone to box lately even though he's just such a wizard on the ground but uh, I'm interested to see how these two match up so that one's going to be fun as well Junior Dos Santos is fighting Cyril Gagne so this is another kind of like younger up and coming Cyril Gagne is only six uh, fights six and oh he's facing 21 and eight Junior Dos Santos another veteran in the game so where it's kind of like you know youth versus old school versus new school is this going to be a passing of the torch kind of like last night with uh, osp and jamal hill or is the veteran going to send the guy da- back down the rankings with his tail between his legs and tell him not today junior but that's just the main card and then the featured matchup for the prelims is cub swanson versus daniel panetta so uh, i don't know how long it's been exactly since cubs fought i'll have to take a look at it when we break down this fight uh but i'm interested to see if he's still got it again another veteran of the game taking on someone that has a lot of mma experience but maybe not as much ufc experience in daniel panetta so that one i'm sure is going to be fireworks and then women's strawweight, Mackenzie Dern taking on Vierna Jandaroba. I know Mackenzie's been training at Ruka lately with uh, Jason Perillo, working on her hands, literally sparring, like not hard sparring, but sparring with Luke Rockhold and Cheeto Vera and other people. I know she's really trying to shore up that part of her game because, you know, she's an ace on the ground, ADCC, and I think um, – Abu Dhabi champion. I'm not exactly sure on accolades, but I know she has many, and she's very good on the fleet, on the ground. And so is Verna for that matter. So this is going to be an interesting matchup to see, like if it's kind of one of those situations where it's like two high class grapplers, and it's almost like a stalemate, or it's just you don't expect it, but they're on the feet now. So it'll be interesting to see how Jandaroba does against McKenzie and how McKenzie's work with Perillo, uh, how it translates. Is she learning some things? Like she's looking good uh, on mitts. She's looking good moving around 
ground light uh, at Ruka, like I said, but it's you know always interesting to see how it translates into the fight. Her last fight, she did well, so we'll just see how uh, how she's evolving, and and uh, that'll be an exciting women's strawweight fight. And those are the ones we're going to do the picks on this week, guys. So seven total, uh, but a couple notables on the early prelims: Carl Robertson versus Dolce Lagumbula. That one's going to be fucking fireworks. Same with uh, Ling Jinglang. The Leech is his nickname. It's easier to say versus Dwight Grant. Um, make sure to don't skip those early prelims, man. There's always fireworks, at least one or two KOs, man. So it's super exciting. But as far as the actual picks go, we're going to start at the bottom. Mackenzie Dern versus Virna Jandaroba. And when you take a look at it on paper, I mean, I know they're both known for being good in the grappling departments, but there is a difference between wrestling and jiu-jitsu. And not that Jandaroba is not good in the submission department as well, but, um, you know, they could pretty much even out um, in terms of grappling. But Jandaroba looks like she has a little bit more of the wrestling credential, the wrestling ability, given their stats and her takedowns, things like this. Uh, but Mackenzie Dern, with that work she's been doing um, with Perillo, I think she's going to want to keep it standing and then know she's got that uh, submission game in her back pocket. She doesn't necessarily need to take you down, but maybe um, make you shoot for a takedown because you're not happy with what, how it's going on in the feet. And uh, Jen Robin, in the short amount of time we saw her in her first fight in the UFC, she didn't look too uh, out of, you know, like a fish out of water on the feet, like she didn't know what she was doing. But, you know, definitely have some liabilities, definitely some improvements that could be made. So uh, it'll, I think it'll be evenly matched fight. It should be fun. All that being said, I think McKenzie Dern is going to pull this one out. I think it's going to be uh, a good overall performance. I think she's going to be able to look good in all, in all departments. Last fight, I feel like she wanted to showcase more of her striking, wasn't necessarily able to do it. Was that still had to finish the fight on, on the ground. But, you know, opportunities uh, opportunities present themselves in MMA, and you got to go after them. So I don't falter for that, obviously. But I think she's going to try to keep it standing as much as possible, showcase those skills, showcase the work she's been putting in with Perillo. And uh, for now, I think I'm going to go with uh, Mackenzie Dern by a unanimous decision. I might switch it, but for now, I'm going to go unanimous decision, Mackenzie Dern. Which takes us to the next one, uh, Cub Swanson versus Daniel Pineda. Earlier I was talking about how this was like the same as the others, where it was young up-and-coming versus veteran. This is not that at all. I misspoke. This one is two veterans of the game, been around a long-ass time, both of them. Daniel Pineda's uh, record dates back in the UFC to 2012. And Cub Swanson, man, he's back in 2007 WEC days. He was literally with the organization when it was absorbed into the UFC. He was on the card, Dos Anjos versus uh, Velasquez, the very first card where uh, it was on Fox and the WC was absorbed into the UFC. So um, he's been around forever, and this was more like a UFC chopping block, like a loser goes home. And, and you may, what I mean by that is you probably get cut from the UFC. If you listen to last night's press conference, Dana White was talking about since, I don't know if you saw, but Yoel Romero was cut from the UFC, and he was being asked about that. And he was saying up to a lot of people are going to be getting cut uh, by the first of the year, up to 60 cuts he was talking about. And uh, side note real quick, I think, there's a lot of things that go into this, but one having to do with uh, you build contracts over the, the years being in the UFC and you can become somewhat, quote unquote, expensive to them. And if they don't feel like the juice is worth the squeeze and they're getting all these brand new up and comers from the contender series and, and tough and stuff, mostly at minimum contracts of 12 and 12. And these guys are pretty high level, you know, been doing MMA since they started training, you know, but, uh, you know, a lot of them are very high level, just have. Um, no name at all at this point. So they're just like, fuck it. I'm going to invest and build these younger guys and, and take them for the cheap and, uh, you know, see if, who sinks and who swims. 
So with that in mind and, t- and hearing what Dana had to say at the press conference with regards to all those cuts, man, I just feel like uh, both these guys kind of like last the last card, a lot of people I felt uh, were fighting for their job, and uh, this one may be kind of the same. Cub Swanson, Daniel Panetta, I got to go with my boy Killer Cub Swanson. Again, as I was saying, they both have so much experience, but I just feel like uh, Cub has experience against the higher level of competition. Uh, granted, he, you know, this is... He lost four in a row and then came back and beat Crone Gracie in his last fight in October of 2019. So it's been more than a year. And Panetta recently fought August uh, in 2020. So he's kind of fought in COVID times. So that might be a factor as well. And he was coming off a four-year layoff before that. All the way, he hadn't fought since 20, no, a six-year layoff. Hadn't fought since 2014. Coming off a loss and then comes back uh, and beats Herbert Burns. So, interesting. Uh, I don't know, man. I just think that Herbert Burns, who Panetta has coming off a win uh, facing Burns. He's, Burns has, like, got this, his brother who's really good in the UFC. Herbert's really high level in, in jiu-jitsu, and he's coming along, but he's also super green. And I feel like, yeah, Panetta, having the amount of experience he had in the UFC, was able to come out in the victory there. And, yeah, he might be in better form than as of late, but I think Cub Swanson has faced a higher-level competition. So, short and sweet, I go Cub Swanson uh, by unanimous decision. And then the next one's the big boy. Uh, card main card opener curtain jerker as they call it um you nasty so that one's is dos santos versus surreal gagne so junior dos santos man unfortunately legend gotta give him respect uh, he's been around the game a long time contested for the championship i think oh, i'm sorry pre- former ufc champion actually um this man i think is just one of those fighters that we, we want the best for him. We want him to come out and perform like uh, Anderson Silva and others. Uh, but it's just they're, they're kind of shadows of themselves. They're not quite themselves. We see little glimpses here and there. Uh, but but it, unfortunately for him, he's coming off, uh, what is it, four losses, three losses. And uh, I just feel like Serial Gagne has uh, got a lot of momentum, even though this is a huge step up for him in competition. He's, he's definitely new to the game, so it's it's – Fighting a huge veteran uh, in terms of experience is a big gap there. But <clears throat> Junior Dos Santos, unfortunately, is, looks good until he doesn't. I feel like he's going to have good footwork. He's going to do the right things. He's going to move around the octagon. But this is at the apex. It's a smaller octagon, and these are big boys. So there will be some point in time where he gets caught. His chin's not there. I mean, he can maybe take a shot here and there, but nothing super clean and not from – I don't feel like – I feel like Gagne's got big power. And, uh, you know, apparently he's got a good ground game as well. So – uh, unfortunately for my boy, uh, Dos Santos, I think he might be, need to be hanging up the gloves. You never know. It might just be his last fight in the UFC. You never know with, what Dana White's talking about with these cuts and everything. But I hate to do it. Sorry, Junior, but I'm going with Serial Gagne, second round TKO. And this next one, I'm kind of, I'm struggling with a little bit because uh, it's Jacare Souza versus Kevin Holland. Now, all the X factors surrounding him just testing positive for COVID and now coming back a couple weeks later to fight. That's, you know, even that besides the point, like stylistic matchup wise, attribute wise, it's just an interesting matchup for me. And given um, Jacare Souza has fought nothing but killers his entire career, he, you know, beat everybody until he lost to Yoel and then had a couple losses along the way to some, you know, people like Robert Whitaker and then. Uh, recently lost to Jack Hermanson and you know he, we just saw a fight last night to a crazy decision fight of the night decision and then John uh, Blockowitz the current light heavyweight champion so you know he's only lost to killers he's fought nothing but um, hammers in the entire division so 
his experience level is top, second to none. Given Kevin Holland's got a lot of MMA experience and he's he's working his way up the ranks in the UFC, but the level of opponents that he's facing in the UFC is nowhere near the people that Souza has. And then Souza's the underdog in this fight, so I'm really interested because I think one of the things that comes into play is, uh, like I was saying, like attribute wise, stylistic wise, if. Um, Souza, you know, which you've seen lately, wants to keep it on the feet and kind of use utilize more of his boxing versus his uh, crazy jujitsu acumen. Um, Kevin Holland's got an 81 inch reach uh, versus Jacare Souza's 72. That's a huge reach advantage. He's also a little taller than Souza, so if Kevin Holland can keep it standing, keep it on the outside, um, utilize that jab and his distance, then I think you know he's got the attributes, skills, ability to win this fight. However, I think I think. Unfortunately for him, like he fights a little emotional, which I don't think necessarily is is a bad thing for him. I think it works. I think it helps him get into his flow state. But I feel like he doesn't stay disciplined in in terms of certain techniques, in in terms of certain footwork patterns, in terms of certain uh, abilities to use his reach advantage. He's had reach advantages in many fights that he hasn't really utilized. And his Joaquin Buckley knockout, he actually utilized it perfect, caught him at the very tip of the chin, uh, on the very tip of the chin at the very end of his punch. And it looked like he barely even touched him, but he went out cold. But I've seen someone have a tendency of smothering his own strikes sometimes and getting a little bit too close and just kind of getting, you know, more into to make it a little bit more difficult on himself than he has to just because he likes a brawl. He likes to fight. He's having fun in there. And I'm not, again, saying that that's a bad thing. I'm just saying um, he's un- overall, what I'm trying to get at is he doesn't seem to utilize his reach advantage as good as he, he probably could or should. And against Souza, whether he's trying to just utilize his boxing or uh, gets forced into a situation because maybe he's getting tuned up on the feet, um, to clinch, to put him up against the cage, to take him down and utilize that that side of his game plan. I feel like the apex, I put a lot of credence on that. I need to look at the numbers over enough time to see if it's influenced more finishes or not, but I, I do put a lot of credence on that, and I'm going to go ahead and say that the may, old man, the underdog, is, is going to, I'm going to take a stab at it for this one. The old man, Sosa, is going to get it done, and I'm going to go second round submission, Jacare Sosa. Okay, and then the next one I'm really looking forward to, Rafael Fiziev taking on Hanato Moicano. Um, if you guys listened back to the other week when we broke down this fight originally, Nate made a lot of good points about Moicano, about him being a little bit more well-rounded, uh, being better in the grappling department, and also this being up a weight class at 155. It's going to be interesting to see his power and, his, and how it translates and his strength in the clinch, things like that. I've talked about the apex and how it's a smaller cage. But uh, in this particular case, I'm going to go with Fiziev. I'm a little nervous about it, and it's I'm, I'm kind of pissed because the uh, underdog points are on Moicano's side. However, he is the one that just recently tested positive for COVID, so I don't know in this case if that plays against them, that'll work in my favor. But um, anyways, Fiziev, I'm going to go with in this case. He is the favorite, slight, uh, but I think he's just going to be a little bit faster, a little bit more precise, a little bit more active. Uh, he's going to be able to keep his back off the fence. Might be a, little, a couple tricky situations that he's in, but I don't think he's going to be uh, on his back for long or in any too many um, dangerous situations in terms of the grappling. So I'm going to go with Rafael Fiziev, and I'm going to go with a unanimous decision. All right, and our next one, the co-main event, Charles Dubronx Oliveira taking on El Kakui, Tony Ferguson. Shit, I've gone back and forth on this one a bunch. And let me start out, I'm champ shit only all day. Like, I'm a big fan of Tony Ferguson. Always have been since the Ultimate Fighter days. I mean, I, I know John Walker, one of his old strength and conditioning coaches, a uh, good friend. And so, you know, there's obviously this emotional connection. I even think that Tony Ferguson is going to go down in history as, like, the best UFC fighter to never win an undisputed championship belt. Like, interim or not. 
not. You know, he was a champion for a time, but man, that the one that got away with Khabib, you never know if that'll ever come to fruition. I, I just I feel bad for Tony Ferguson, even though he's a hell of a fighter and has had uh, one hell of a career as well. I just I don't know, man. I think he might be a little bit past it, and I think um, that Gaethje fight might have taken something out of him, taken the edge off. He looks great. Don't get me wrong. He looks refocused. He looks sharp. He looks like he's training hard. So um, he may come out and surprise me and just be that uh, old, reliable, durable Tony Ferguson, that steam engine, that train that just never stops coming and end up taking Charles Oliveira out. But I'm going to go, I mean, I've already gone with two underdogs so far on the card with uh, Swanson and Souza, but I'm going to go with the underdog. This may be the, the hot take of the episode, but I'm going with Charles Oliveira on this one. I think he kind of is like a similar version of Tony Ferguson. However, I kind of spoke on it earlier that Tony Ferguson's more of like a flow state fighter, more of like rides the chaos, just brings everything, sees something goes for it. Doesn't think out there, just kind of goes on instinct. And, um, I think Charles Oliveira is a little bit more methodical and he's a little sharper in terms of the striking. Um, Tony, Tony Ferguson is unorthodox and he doesn't even know what the fuck he's going to do out there. And that's partly why people get caught with his uh, strikes. They may not look pretty, but they come with power. He's got his whole body weight behind him and he just kind of goes for it. So it's it's not saying it's it's poor technique. It's just unorthodox and, and a lot of people aren't, aren't ready for it. So who knows? He could catch uh, Oliveira as well. But in this case, I think I'm going to go with the cleaner, faster, more more precise striker that has just as much of a, a lethal ground game. Uh, I, I was seeing Tony Ferguson's uh, training. He was doing some, I mean, he's always been a 10th planet black belt, but he's been showing up his jiu-jitsu a lot for this camp. So he obviously knows the threat in front of him. And uh, it'll just be an interesting stylistic uh, matchup because they're very, very similar like I said, I just feel like they they execute mentally a little differently, and I feel like Oliver is a little bit sharper on the feet. So overall, I hate to do it, but I'm going to go with Oliveira. I just don't know exactly how I think. Uh, for now, I'm going to I you know obviously re- reserved my right to switch any of my picks, but I'm going to go with Charles Oliveira by a unanimous decision. It's too crazy. I feel like to say that he'd be able to sub El Kakui, maybe, but I, I don't know, man. That would be crazy. Uh, he does already have the record, so I don't know, man. I'm going to go with the decision, and I think, um, you know, Tony Ferguson's notoriously tough and a hell of a chin. I, I think he, he won't be finished, but I think he's going to lose this one, unfortunately. So, yeah, Charles Oliveira, unanimous decision. Okay, and then that brings us to the main event. I don't know. This is kind of similar to the co-main event where I'm I'm struggling because emotionally I want Brandon Moreno to win this fight. I've been watching him also since the Ultimate Fighter days, and I just think, uh, you know, he's he's done all the work. He's kind of like Dustin Poirier of the flyweights, in my opinion. He's paid in full. He's he's fought everybody. He's had to leave the UFC, get a belt outside the organization, and then come back, string together some wins, and then fight his way up to get a title shot. I just I root for the guy emotionally, and uh, you know, he's trained at MMT a couple times. You know, when he came through with TJ at one point, so I just. I like Brandon Moreno. He's gritty. He's a tough Mexican fighter. He's high-paced. He's got uh, hell, really good boxing skills, really fast, and uh, really good hands. I don't know. I just – an overall really good scrambler. He's good on the ground jujitsu wise I just – I don't know, man. The sheer power and strength force of Davis and Figueredo just seems like it overwhelms people and that he will not be denied. We talked about it in the last uh, time we broke down his fight just two episodes ago that um, he's, his focus and his killer instinct when he's walking down his opponents is – 
crazy, and then I feel like it's partly to do with the fact that he's he's got a size advantage, which which translates to like a, a chin advantage. Like the, these guys can't hurt me in his mind, and he's just walking them down, not worried about what they're throwing at him, which allows him to stay focused, stay precise, and just take out his opponent opponent in dominant fashion. So I'm worried for Brandon Moreno in this case, and it is down to the wire, only two cards left. That's uh, why I kind of go with my my head, not my heart. So in this case, I think Moreno can move around. I think he can. Uh, do what he has to do, what most opponents need to do against Figueredo in terms of sticking and moving and just kind of using their footwork and staying out of danger, drag him into the later portions of the fight. Um, and if he gets them into those fourth and fifth rounds, man, uh, I don't care about my bet at that point. I'll just want him to, to get the victory and, and potentially, you know, everyone's trying to get him there because they want to gas him out because he's really muscular, he cuts a lot of weight and all these other things. But most people don't get that far in a fight with him. So um, I'm going with uh, Davis and Figueredo, and I'm going to go with a... Uh, third round TKO. I think Brandon Moreno's speed, agility, his footwork is going to help him outlast like other get farther than other opponents have with uh, Figueredo. But I'm, I'm, ultimately, I think it's not going to matter, and he is going to get caught and probably brought into the ground and TKO finished on the ground. Is kind of what I see. Unfortunately, Brandon Moreno, uh, I think, is a future champion in this division, and uh, I just think that this is going to be. Uh, too much of a test. Figueredo eventually, I think, is going to go up to 135 as well. And I feel like eventually we'll see Brandon Moreno um, achieve that championship gold. But it's unfortunately, isn't going to go his way. Now, the only thing I could think of is that maybe with the three-week turnaround and uh, Brandon Moreno just being a fucking dog and, and loving to be out there having a great time just fighting and, and, and just really... You know, like I said, enjoys it and enjoys it purely for the fighting aspect. And I think maybe he could just go out there and say, fuck it. Like, he's going to walk me down. No one's ever put him on his back foot. Um, if I'm going to go out, I'm going to go out swinging. And maybe we could get a first round knockout either way. Um, ultimately, though, I'm going to go with the safe bet. It is getting down to the wire predictions challenge wise. I got to go with my head, not my heart again. So I'm going with Davidson Figueredo with the third round TKO. But enough for me. Let me know what you guys think. Every week, um, you guys see it on my social media. I, I put out as much as I can post-wise about the card that's coming up, um, promoting the show, obviously. But then uh, I do polls on either Wednesday or Friday um, for the main event or most of the, most of the ones that we pick most often. But uh, make sure to do those polls, engage the show, engage Nate or I uh, on our social media. We love giving shout-outs. So, um, yeah, make sure to do that. And make sure to tune in to next week when, we obviously, we'll break down all the action, see how everything went on you. UFC 256 and uh, recap the points for the predictions challenge and then look ahead to the following week for the December 19th card headlined by Stephen Wonderboy Thompson versus Jeff Neal but it's a stacked card all around all the way down through the prelims it was originally headlined by Chimaya versus Leon Edwards Leon Edwards unfortunately got COVID a bad case um, but yeah I'll be going over more details on that next week be also giving more details about the uh, predictions challenge giveaway and if you've made it this far it's $100, so uh, you're going to want to tune in for that. And, uh, yeah, more details to come on that and all the changes with the points and everything over the new year. I'm excited for the end of this year. Uh, it's been over a year doing the podcast, but I'm excited for the end of the year, getting into 2021, saying goodbye to 2020, starting a new, some fresh coat of paint on all kinds of things, including the podcast. So thank you guys for sticking it out. Thank you guys for being here. I really appreciate it. But that's it. 
That does it for this week's installment of the D-Love Special Sauce Podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you did, go over to Apple and iTunes. Give us a positive review. Five-star rating, hopefully. Don't forget to turn the notification bell on. That way you're on top of all the most current content. And while you're supporting us, a small independent podcast, make sure to go check out and support the small businessmen and women who support the show, just like you guys, by listening every single week. My boy Eden, eating buttery pancakes, slash I get people shredded on IG. Monique Taylor with strongwomendesigns.com. Nora, my girl with DreamLoudCollections.com, Ricardo with Neighborhood Auto Care, Caesar with OC Party Rentals, Mac Noodles, Hibachi Chef, Andrew Snyder with Holistic Healing Services, and last but not least, MMT Fitness. Check out their Instagram. Make sure to come and check out the gym. Exit the 5 Freeway off Avery Parkway. The first class is always free. Make sure to tell them DLSS sent you. But until next week, same time and same place, we're out of here. Enjoy the fights.